Revelation 4, starting in chapter 1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Thank you, Brother Rex, and we'll be right there for our lesson this morning. Lesson concerning the throne of God, Revelation chapter 4, the throne of God. In these few verses, the word throne is used about 12 times. God wants us to know about his throne. In fact, notice what he says to John first. He opens up a door to heaven. And he says to John, can you imagine being in John's shoes? He says to John, come up here. He wants John to see the throne of God. And he puts John in the spirit of God so that John can see and that John can reveal it to us in a very truthful way. So here we are. The throne of God. Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to notice the throne from every angle possible. Every angle possible. We know that it is God sitting on the throne. But we're going to look at this from every angle possible. I want you to keep in mind Five different phrases, and after we look at these different angles, phrases, 
then we'll draw some lessons for each of us. But the five phrases are these. First phrase or angle is on the throne. The second phrase is out of the throne. The third phrase is around the throne. The fourth phrase is before the throne. And then the fifth one is toward the throne. And so Revelation 4 here gives us all these different angles. Let's begin Revelation 4, 2, and 3 and notice the one sitting on the throne, which is God. But notice verse 2 says that He is the one, the one sitting on the throne, which spells out to us that God is one. Just like Israel was told in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. There is one sitting on the throne. Okay. We remember from such passages as Isaiah 45 and 21, from of old it has been told, there is no God besides me, God says. Isaiah 45, 21. There is no God besides me. One little boy was asked, why do you think there's only one God? He said, appropriately, he said, because there's not any room for any others. And that's exactly right. Isaiah 66, verse 1 says, Heaven is God's throne, but the earth is His footstool. Jesus reiterates this in Matthew 5, 34 and 35. Heaven is God's throne, okay, but the earth is His footstool just explaining to us that God is too huge for us to really even comprehend. In 1 Kings chapter 8, as Solomon is dedicating the house of God in those days, verse 27, 1 Kings 8 and verse 27, listen to this. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, O Lord, how much less this house that I have built. Give it to Solomon. He knew that even building this house for God, that God could not be contained in any one place. Even the highest of the heavens cannot contain God. There is one God on the throne. On the throne. Revelation 4, 2 and 3 says... God is one. But notice also, verses 2 and 3 there says, He that sat on the throne. So not only is God one, but He's a He. Masculine. He's a He. Notwithstanding the politicians, notwithstanding the gay activists, notwithstanding the advocates for transgender and, and perverse lifestyles notwithstanding the feminists, nonetheless, God is a He. He that sat on the throne. He. Some of those classes have even suggested maybe that you can address God as father and mother. Well, of course, no. Big time, no. Because it is He that sits on the throne.
Remember Jesus' words, Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. He said to some of the Pharisees, Have you not read that He who made them in the beginning made them male and female? He. He. Jesus said to Satan in the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and Him only. All these are masculine pronouns. Him only shalt thou serve. John 4, 24 Jesus again says, God is spirit and those that worship Him, those that worship Him, shall worship Him in spirit and in truth. He sat on the throne. On the throne sits the one God. On the throne sits He, the Father, God. It's not bad to bring up a verse like 1 Timothy chapter 2, 5 and 6 along these lines where it says there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So on the throne we find the one God and He sat on the throne and He is pictured like a jasper stone. Jasper stone. Jasper stone is known for its brilliance and its bright light, its brightness. We know God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all, 1 John 1, 5, and 6. God is light. In fact, Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16, that God being King of kings and Lord of lords, He dwells in light which is unapproachable. And that really gets to us there. That, that brings it out for us. God is so wonderful. He is so magnificent that He actually dwells in light. He dwells in a place that really, from our standpoint particularly, He is unapproachable. And He would continue to be unapproachable except for our Lord Jesus who came and died for us. So the first angle is on the throne. The second angle is what comes out of the throne. Out of the throne, verse 5. Out of the throne. Out of the throne of God comes lightnings, thunders, and voices. This, of course, speaking to the power of God. The power of God. Lightnings, thunders, and voices. You might recall back in Exodus 19... Verse 16, as God and His people have come out of Egypt, thanks to God's power, and God wants to meet with His people at Mount Sinai. They're not allowed to touch the mount, but they're going to be able to get close enough to be able to experience some of God's power. And from that mount came thunders and rumblings and trumpets and lightning flashes. They say that every hour there's about 360,000 lightning flashes in this universe. They say that just one flash of lightning has enough kilowatt power in it to light up a house for over 35 years. Just one. Coming from the throne of God are plural, lightnings and thunders and Voices, we are reminded of this tremendous little 
verse in Job 37 that I'm going to read to you. Job 37 and verse number 5. There's no way, well, there's no other way of explaining the power of God other than let Him explain it to you. Job 37 verse 5 says, God thunders. God thunders. Now, I, a few years ago, a movie came out called Jack the Giant Slayer. And great, huge beanstalk grows out of the earth, way up into the sky, into a, of course it's all fantasy, but into a, another world where there are giants. And the giants come down that beanstalk and they, want, they come down to earth to create a lot of havoc and to rule. And as, and as the giants come down the beanstalk, they said, here comes the thunder. Well, in reality, notice here, Job 37 verse 5, God thunders wondrously with His voice, and He does great things that we cannot comprehend. That's the throne of God. Out of the throne of God comes lightnings, thunders, and voices. And we know the power that God's voice has. He spoke and it was done. Psalm 33, 6-9. Concerning the entire universe, the world in which we live, the world in which we observe, God spoke and it was done. Hebrews 11:3 says that we know by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. And so notice that out of the throne comes the power of God. Lightnings, thunders, rumblings, and voices. The next angle is to look around the throne. Around the throne. So you're there in your Bible, Revelation chapter 4, and notice and pick up in your Bible, the places where it says around the throne. Notice in verse number 3, around the throne was a rainbow. Around the throne was a rainbow. This is a signal to us of God's great power to keep promises. We remember from Genesis 9, 11 through 13, that God promised to the world then and He has kept His promise. And it's the signal of the rainbow. But God has kept His promise that never again would He destroy the world through floodwaters. He doesn't promise that He would never destroy the world. But He said, I won't ever do it again with floodwaters. And He put the bow in the sky. So here at the throne of God, we are reminded of the great promise-keeping God that we serve. Indeed, according to Peter's words in 2 Peter 1, verse 4, God's promises are precious and exceedingly precious and great to us. God cannot lie. Titus 1, verse 2 says, God cannot lie, and He has promised to us eternal life. So when we look at the throne of God, we see the God who is absolutely faithful in keeping His Word all the way down to the very end. When you think about Noah and the flood, 
you think about two things that are combined, judgment and mercy. Now, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, Genesis 6, verse 8, but he found that grace because he was willing to do, willing to submit, willing to obey. Genesis 6, verse 22 says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. And so to all who submitted to God came mercy, but all who did not came judgment. When we look at the rainbow, we understand that God will, he will give judgment to those who disobey and mercy to those who will obey. In other words, as James 4 and verse 6 and 7 says, and as Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, they both say these words, God opposes the proud and He gives grace to the humble. Folks, that's the entire theme of the Bible. That's the entire theme of life. Okay? God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. When we see the rainbow, that's what we're reminded of. Around the throne was the rainbow. Also, going back to Revelation 4, notice that around the throne were... 24 thrones and seated on those thrones were 24 elders and they were arrayed in white garments and had golden crowns on their heads. This absolutely represents those who are in heaven, those who are saved, those who have been redeemed from their sins. They're in white garments. Revelation 7, you remember, verses 13 and 14 talks about those arrayed in white. Who are these in white? These are those who have had their robes washed in the blood of the Lamb and made clean. So all those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb will be there one day at the throne giving praise to Him, arrayed in their white garments with their crowns on because you remember Paul says in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8, Paul said, Henceforth there is laid up for me that crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me on that day, not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. So right there around the throne are those who have submitted to Christ. Their robes have been washed with the blood of Christ, and they are there victorious with their crowns okay, around the throne. Why does it say 24 probably in order to represent all the saved from the Old Testament and all the saved from the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the, the dominant number was 12, like the 12 tribes of Israel. In the New Testament, there, there's the 12 apostles. So it probably just represents all those saved across the, the span of history will be there at the throne of God, giving Him the praise forever and ever that He deserves. you got the rainbow around the throne and you've got the, the 24 there with their crowns and white robes around the throne. But also notice in verse 6, around the throne were these living creatures looking like a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. Okay. These are probably angels. Angels because this kind of comes from Ezekiel 1, 5 through 11 and Isaiah 6 and and it's the same kind of language as Ezekiel 1 and Isaiah 6. And back then they were angels. And so probably this is just a representation of angels here as well. We know that Hebrews 1 verse 6 says, Let all the angels worship Him. 
Let all the angels worship the Lord. Isn't it a, an incredible thought as we dream about heaven? Isn't it an incredible thought that we will be right there at the throne of God with the angels and we are rendering worship alongside of them, giving our songs and our adoration toward the one who is great. And so notice the different angles. On the throne, the one God. Out of the throne comes his power. Around the throne, we see the rainbow and the redeemed. And then before the throne, before the throne is our next angle. Before the throne. Notice, going back to our text here in Revelation uh, chapter 4, that verse number 5 says, Before the throne were seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. This is just another way of saying the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. The word, the number seven, the word of number seven represents perfection. God is perfect. His Spirit is perfect. Torches of fire has to do with the fact that the Holy Spirit reveals truth and that brings spiritual light into a person's life. When the Apostle Paul went out on his mission, Acts 22, 18, he was to help by preaching the gospel, preaching the word of the Spirit, that he was to help people turn from darkness to light. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, Paul says that the God of this world, he seeks to blind the eyes of the unbelieving, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should dawn upon them. The devil knows the power of the gospel, the light, the spiritual light that it brings into our lives, and he keeps us, he wants to keep us from ever being exposed to that light that comes from God's word. And so before the throne, before the throne, is the Spirit of, of God before the throne. Also notice in verse 6 of Revelation 4 that before the throne is a sea of glass. I suppose that if you were to ask me what my favorite scene of the Bible is, this is it. The throne of God and that sea of glass. Because how spectacular must that be? to notice a sea of glass that runs right up to the throne of God. Of course, none of this is literal, but it's to try to, it is seeking to get a, at least a small picture in our mind of what this is, the glory that this is going to be, a sea of glass, a sea of glass, the splendor of that. Also notice that that sea of glass will, will, will create a separation between whoever is there and God. When we go to heaven, we do not become God. We will always and forever be created people. We will always and forever be His servants. We don't become anything else other than we get away from this life and we get away from this body. Okay? And we get into a much greater environment. But God will always be God. And we will always be His, His creation. Okay? That sea is a separation that will always be there, in a sense. When I think of a sea, I think of victory, because you remember how God brought his people out of Egypt and brought them in a miraculous fashion right through the Red Sea. 
And there's a great song of victory back there in Exodus 14, Exodus 15. You have to know that the redeemed of the ages will be thinking about that great victory forever and ever. And even greater victory has taken place, and that is the victory through Jesus Christ over Satan and his sin. So before the throne is the Spirit of God. Before the throne is this sea of glass. And also notice before the throne, letting your eyes go down to verse 10 of Revelation 4. Before the throne, they cast their crowns. You see why this is my favorite scene in heaven. They cast their crowns. Well, God gave them crowns because they made it to heaven. Why are they now taking off the crowns? It's very appropriate. They're taking their crowns and they're casting them, let them slide across that sea of glass toward, toward the throne, of course, toward the throne, because the one on the throne is responsible for us being there. The one on the throne, is, it is, he's responsible. We have nothing to do with this. We, we, we're not responsible, ultimately, for, for heaven and, and the gift of heaven. It is he. And they're taking off their crowns and they're sliding them toward this, the throne in, in confession, in acknowledgement that it is He who deserves the honor. It is He who deserves the glory. And we will be there forever and ever to try to render to Him that honor that He so very much deserves. So before the throne, the Spirit of God, the sea of glass, and this casting of the crowns. And then the final angle here is toward the throne. They're rendering all kinds of worship. You see this in your Bible from verses 8 through 11. They worship before the throne day and night, it says here in verse number 8. They never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They never cease to say. And they continue to acknowledge God Verse 11, Worthy art thou, our Lord and our God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. I tell you what, anyone that tries to look at this world around us and say it comes from, contends that it comes from some naturalistic means is dishonoring God. And it is a very wicked thing to do to even suggest that anyone else or anything else caused the world to be other than the power of God Almighty. So look at these different angles. On the throne, the one God. Out of the throne, thunders, lightnings, and voices, the power of God. Around the throne, the mercy of God, the rainbow, and all the redeemed. Before the throne, the Spirit of God and the victory of that sea of glass. And then toward the throne, all the worship that you can muster together to render praise to His name. Let's think about it. Two or three lessons as we draw our, our lesson to a close. What are some takeaways First of all, do you need a reason to worship God? Do you really need a reason? I mean, how many reasons have we mentioned in just this short reading of Revelation 4? How many reasons have we given 
to worship God and to give Him your life. He's perfectly holy. There is no other God. He is a combination of mercy and judgment. He he sent His Son. He created the world. He is all-powerful. We can just go on and on. Do you need another reason? Worship God. That's why this scene is in the Bible. That's that's why we sing this song. Number six in our song, but that's why we sing it. Because we need to be reminded of how wonderful where are the words? How magnificent, how glorious He is. Another thought is to remember that there's more than one throne, unfortunately. There's the throne of God, but there's also the throne of Satan. If you'd like to read about it, just glance at it. Revelation chapter 2, verse 13, to the church at Pergamum. Jesus says, I know where you live. You live where Satan's throne is. But you are holding fast to my name, and you are not denying my faith. Evidently, Pergamum was a very wicked city. Satan had set up his throne there, but the Christians were holding strong. That's what we must do. But it's either God's throne or it's Satan's throne. Either God's going to rule over us or Satan's going to rule over us. We must make our choice. Another thought is to remember that our dominating goal in life has got to be to be right there at the throne of God. That must be our dominating. Where are we going to go after we leave this life? When we walk out of here, then what happens? What happens when we walk away from this place, which is coming very soon? Our dominating goal must be that we're there. Glance at your Bible, Revelation 3, 20 and 21. Jesus says, To all those who overcome, I will grant to him that he may be able to sit down with me at my throne just as I overcame, and now I'm sitting here with my Father at this throne. Those are words that I can't believe really are in Scripture. That's an incredible promise. But remember the rainbow. God keeps His promises. If we overcome, if we hold to the faith, if we stay away from Satan's throne, God will put us there at His throne one day. For those who originally received the book of Revelation, they were going through an enormous amount of persecution. And they needed to hear that God was still on His throne, that He's still in control, regardless of what is happening around, what is happening within. God is still very much alive, and He's still very much at work, and we need to hold on. And then notice the last part of Revelation 4. It's because of God's will that we were created. You wouldn't be here if God didn't intend for you to be here. What is His will for your life? 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4, God would have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. As we close 
This morning I want to, I was going to read from the song, Holy, 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 but being led us in that, so I want to read from number 261, We're Marching to Zion. We're marching to Zion. Come we that love the Lord, and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord. Join in a song with sweet accord. And thus surround the throne. And thus surround the throne. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion. The beautiful city of God. Will you come this morning to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ right now as we stand together?